Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, today's show is brought to you by Parry Athletics, the best pair of training shorts in the game. They do rashies, they do shirts, but what I love is they have shorts for you to roll in as well as shorts for you to chill in. I love them because they're so multi-purpose and they look awesome. Now, you can get your hands on these and you get 20% off with the code BULLETPROOF20 at checkout. Get yours today. Are you struggling to learn at jujitsu? Do you feel like the lessons are not hitting and you don't understand why? We have the secret, ladies and gentlemen. There is one certified thing you are probably not doing, which is holding back your learning. Why are you looking at me when you say that? I'm not, I mean, we are on a podcast together. I do have to look at you at some point. It's disappointing, but it's how it goes. Ladies and gentlemen, for you out there, I'm actually going to say something which it's not a backflip, but it's definitely a, a change in thinking. So this is an idea that comes from outside of jiu-jitsu. So a while ago, I saw two white belts coaching each other. And I was like, oh, what are they doing? It's the blind leading the blind. You don't know what you're doing. You kind of know what he's doing. And this is just confusing. Yeah. And a lot of coaches see this. And, you know, often a coach will be like, hey, hang on, guys. That's not, that's not what we're doing, right? But here's the key thing. I am going to say right now, white belts should teach white belts. Now, let's pre-frame this slightly. A little while ago, a friend of ours, Bobby Sandu, now of greater fame and repute, I had said that I would not want to go to one of Bobby's seminars. And this copped heat. It almost started a beef that ended the friendship because Bobby and I are friends. Uh, we were teammates for a while and, and I respect him a lot. And we have circled back around and Joe had said, I would go to a Bobby's seminar. And I was like, that's cool, you know. And that was just more my beef with seminars, not Bobby particularly. But what I'm going to say right now, and I've said it oh, before. Come on, bro. Now, hear me. Teaching is the number one way for you to get better at jujitsu, even if you suck at it. Why? Because it consolidates memory. One of the biggest things we miss is we take on a technique, we kind of practice it, but then we don't have to do anything with that information. And actually having to formalize your thinking and share it is one of the key ways for you to remember. And this comes from this thing called the learning loop, which I learned about a little while ago. And so that's why I believe white belts should actually teach white belts. The way you wove the Bobby story into that, very unsatisfying. I feel like you left that loop open. Oh, you need closure? The well, Zaganic effect was... Yeah. It was hurting you? Zaganic? This is what James, James Smith was talking about. When, yeah. when a loop is left open, Yeah, I'm you like that. It. You brought that in, but then you were just like, boom. I, I brought that in because I wanted to say that Bobby teaching a seminar is as good for him as it might be for you. It is as good for the teacher as it is the learner because they are actually formalizing their ideas and learning as they are doing it. Bobby going out and teaching seminars makes him better. It makes him a better athlete, makes him a better teacher. It is good for you. It is good for your memory. And I think that we have to actually encourage people to try to explain why they're doing what the bloody hell they're doing. Yeah. Now, Joe, you have had different experiences coaching in fitness 
but also jujitsu. And when you had to teach jujitsu, like originally you used to run the BJJ program here. Yeah. That pushed you a little bit, didn't it? To, to think about, what am I going to fucking show these guys? Yeah, it was hard. You had to think about your jits more, right? Yeah. Yeah, something that was, jits has always been intuitive to me. Yeah. Like I do it, you get but it. I can't explain it. So natural. Yeah, so I find, so yeah, I found teaching quite a challenge. I mean, that was after I had coached the three moves that I do only <laughs> and I'd coach them, you know, like, oh, again. The syllabus is uh, really guys, thorough. Yeah, guys, close guard, sit up, sweep. Uh, again, <laughs> guys, fucking guillotine. Pass. I don't know what kind of pass it is. It's just this one. <laughs> Get around those legs. Yeah. Um, straight ankle lock. Oh. I could have done a lot better in that. I could have learned a lot more. But the reality was is that I was just kind of teaching basic shit and I probably wasn't really spending the time to understand newer techniques to me so that I could pass them on. That is something that I do more now mm. and it's and I don't teach anymore. But, you know, say I'll, I'll actually apply myself more when I'm learning, practice that more and then I'll try and pass it on to someone else because I'll be like, hey, I want to – kind of reiterate this thing for myself yeah it's often when we're training in the mornings doing our, our bulletproof small group yep i'd be like hey guys have you guys seen this shit let me show you this shit that i learned yesterday <laughs> yeah, it, it's it goes from like squats and like nordics to like hang on a second there's a heel hook going on over there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like sometimes i'll be i'll be training uh kainoa at a similar time i'll look across and it's it just breaks down into like <laughs> yeah. get a phone we're doing this yeah <laughs> it's like oh wow but that's yeah that is definitely selfishly for me to have a chance to reiterate that thing, yeah. to prove to myself that I, I learned it. That you understand it. Yeah. And I, I actually have found this, like I am obsessed with learning. This has been my number one thing for a long time, that uh, many podcasters and writers and, and uh, people who write blogs will say that when you have to put an idea into writing and you have to read your own writing, you're like, fuck, do I understand this? Like yeah. you're trying to explain the idea to an unknown reader that so once they've read your writing, they get your point. And it's even harder again if you have to speak publicly because most people, they don't have to stand in front of a crowd. Like maybe for your job, you might have to give a, a presentation or, but for most people, public speaking is not part of their job. No. Nah. So having to take an idea you understand and make strangers understand it is a, totally different level of um, catalyzing thoughts. But the reason why I bring this up, there's, there's three key reasons. One of them sounds unrelated, Jamie Oliver. For those of you out there who are not familiar, Jamie Oliver is an English chef of some great repute some years ago, maybe not so famous now. He was and like the first big time celebrity chef as far as I can remember. Yeah, like even, big before, time. even before Gordon Ramsay, he was, had yeah. presence as a very young man. And... Well, he had a TV show and shit. And he I don't did. think chefs didn't get TV shows much this is back like then. like early 2000s. Yeah, he had like prime time, at least here in Australia. Prime time. Prime time. And so he, um, he had a thing where he was like, English people eat like shit. Uh, we're eating really poorly. He even went to America and jumped into the school system and tried to help out in the cafeterias to try and give the, the cafe ladies help to give the kids better nutrition. And he was teaching people how to cook dishes because people were like, oh, it's too hard. He's like, no, it's not. Trust me, I'm chef. Let me show you. But the thing he made them do was they had to then go teach it to their kids, teach it to their partner, teach it to their mate as a part of like it's a kind of reach one, teach one. I taught you for free but also I made all this content, the TV. The TV stations are paying me lots of money. But then he was like, now you must go share this information. And that 
help them really integrate it into how they thought about food. And it was like giving them a responsibility to share this good info. And I think that's true too with jujitsu. If you've got a technique, you know, really works for you and you're like, this is my thing. You like sharing it. Because sometimes if you tap someone with a technique, they're a submission, they'll be like, what the fuck was that? You're like, welcome to my TED Talk. Welcome to my seminar. And you show them. And, and, and when, when someone comes back to you, this is a source of pride for me as a coach. Shout out Jeremy Martinez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when, when a student, Good friend of the show. <laughs> of the pod. A uh, good friend of all of ours. When, when a student does a technique you showed them and they go, hey, man, that thing you showed me, it worked. It's like, my boy, yes, my girl. Like you're proud of them because you help, you help grow their jujitsu. So that thing of Jamie Oliver, like sharing it is really key. But this idea of the learning loop and, and the, the fifth point in the learning loop, I should have written them down. I will recount them at some point. But basically it is the uh, dissemination or the explanation of a skill. Once you've practiced a skill, you've got a certain amount of exposure, you've had feedback, you've, you've practiced it again, there's a point at which you have to explain what you've done and this is key to hardwiring it in your brain. Now, at, I don't know, some coaches might do this, but have you ever had an experience in a class, Joe, where a coach has said, oh, now you show the technique? No. Right? Because usually there's like... Oh, you know what? I, I, in, a, in a sort of, in a less direct way, um, something cool that the guys at Balmain will do, the morning guys that are like super fucking, super like cerebral about to, okay. like, and now, so this is what we're working on today. We'll work on it. Variations, some, you know, here's some context on it. Let's drill it again. And then they'll bring everyone back and they'll be like, how did everyone go with it? Who, who you know, give us some feedback. And you'll say, oh, I found this hard. And then they'll say, show it to us. Ah, uh, yeah. And coaches do to that, right? They'll often go, oh, you're, having a mis- you're finding it. it's not working for you. Show me what you're doing. Share it to the group. And I find that, that even that's really good because you're like, oh, fuck, I've got to do it now. Mm. i got to show that I'm doing it, you know, doing it. Yeah. Um, so that, I guess, fulfills that to some degree. Yeah. But no, I haven't had a coach be like, you teach the technique now. Right. Yeah, I, I, I have – they do a similar breakdown thing at the pro class at Absolute where they will – uh, at the very end, uh, like you'll go, all right, any questions, problems? And, and there's like a big kind of uh, a, a group discussion, but Lockie goes like, are you having that problem? This is how you solve it. And then everybody kind of chimes in on that. And there's a lot of like collective learning from that. Actually, the first time I was ever exposed to this was actually in Taekwondo. And I don't know if it's just because my coach was trying to give himself a bit of a break, but when I was like a, I don't know, 12-year-old kid, I've been doing Taekwondo for two years. He got me to get up and teach a technique. And I was yeah, like... Yeah, he just wanted to take a break to eat a muesli bar. <laughs> Pretty much. But I was like, <laughs> I can't do this. I'm 12. Some, some of these people are grown adults. I'm, I'm not good at this. He's like, no, you're, you're good at this technique. I'm, I, I say you're good at this technique. I was like, I can't teach people. What are you talking about? He's like, it doesn't matter how old you are. You know how to do it. Explain it, show it, and correct them. Kettle's about to boil. <laughs> I, I got I, the tea bag I ready really, to go. I really need the toilet right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got to call my girlfriend. I've got an important call. Um, but what was really interesting about that was it changed my perspective on kind of power dynamics, which was just, I just thought, I'm just a kid. What do I know? But I had done Taekwondo longer than the adults I was teaching. Mm-hmm. So I did actually understand it better than them. But I was like, no, but they're adults. I'm a kid. And this is possibly why I got a lot of trouble in high school because after a while I was like, I'm a black belt, bitch. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't reverse turning, kicking my head off. I'll counter you. 
<laughs> like, oh, JT, it's math class. You're so full of yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, can you do the splits? <laughs> um, but I, I think it's important for us to realize that we're all trying to learn. We, we would like to learn faster. And there's nothing worse than you go to a class, it was a great class, and then you're like, what the fuck was, what did we do? You just, it, it escapes you, right? Like, and it's so easy to go to class, kind of to go through the motions and then just have it go out the other side of your head. And so what I'm trying to, my biggest point here and what I'm going to advocate for is it doesn't matter what stage of the game you're at. You don't actually have to be leading the class, but finding a, a friend or a training partner for you to kind of teach to each other is not for their benefit, it is for yours. And that, yeah, you might be teaching it wrong and it's good if the coach can give you feedback. But even the person, you might be trying to teach someone who's higher level than you, they might give you feedback, right? No, actually, dude, it's, you know, put your hand here. Yeah. But then that's the feedback you need and you got better. Yeah. So that's really, for me, this might not sound revolutionary, but if you do see some white belts teaching each other, don't assault them. I mean, don't, don't criticize them. Well, it brings up an interesting thought for me there. I think jiu-jitsu is very – it's not particularly progressive culturally with how it teaches. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is still kind of a bit simple in that way. Dogmatic. Yeah, and it's like – and I'll give you an example. because are you, are you saying learning needs to be more fluid, Joe? Mm, I get fluid. Maybe ecological is more the <laughs> word I'm looking for. Shout out. <laughs> um, <laughs> what up, Greg Sardis? You know what's happening. <laughs> no, um, no, but like I'll give you an example. Like when I coach movement stuff, yes. I, you know, and I've, I've done like a lot of seminar. I coach a lot of seminars and shit, and I will coach in some distinctly different ways. I will coach in a very technical way, which is guys, we're looking at a Romanian deadlift. Here's what it looks like. ABC. Here are the three main points of performance. Have a go. Let me give you feedback, right? That, that's a very typical way to coach. But then I'll coach things that are, guys, I'm not going to say anything. Follow me, do what I'm doing. And then I just start performing something. That's usually when you see me doing shit down the room, like crawl patterns yeah, or locomotion. Sure. And all of a sudden everyone's like, fuck, got to keep up, got to try and copy. I don't say anything, keep going, keep going. And it's like this, this thing where people are making mistakes, but they're finding their way through it. They're frustrated because they're trying to gain all the information from watching. And like, so that's a very different style of teaching, right, to the first. Um, and then there's things where you'd be like, all right, guys, here's the technique. I want you to work in partners and I want you to coach each other. Uh-huh. So you could take, like, there's more, but you could take those three examples and go three different styles of teaching, right? Yes. All quite valuable. Now, in jiu-jitsu, it's usually coach. coach. Coach says, do this, don't do this. And then, all right, guys, you're working on it for three minutes. And you see this a lot. The students will break off. A couple of new people will start working on it. The person will not even have finished their first repetition. And the coach, you did it wrong. You did it wrong. You've got to put your foot here. I told you to put – okay, yep. And, you know, you see them. They pick up the foot and they put it there. Put it there. Put it, okay, now grab this. Yeah, good, good. And they correct it and then coach walks away. And it's like this simplified thing where the coach is thinking – all I have to do is make them do it perfectly once and then it will be perfect. Mm. And it's kind of neglecting to realize that learning is a process mm. and making mistakes is part of the process. Yes. And of course, there are times when you cannot accept mistakes. There's a time for that. But I think there has to be a time too where mistakes are allowed to be made. 
Yeah. Right. So then, then as the coach, you have to think, well, I, if I can acknowledge that the student is going to make mistakes, what mistakes am I willing to accept? Sure. Right. So you might go into the idea of I'm coaching this technique. I think some of the newer students might struggle with this. I want them to learn this concept. But the particular technique, if they fuck it up a little bit, I'm okay with that. I just want them to understand the concept of whatever it is, controlling the knee line to attack the heel, yeah. right? So then you're triaging. You're going, all right, most important thing here, top priority, getting the concept, the technique stuff that's secondary. If they can learn that, awesome. For my higher belt students, I expect them to nail everything. For the lower guys, I'm cool with this. Sure. And so I think that that sort of nuance of, of coaching experience we don't – you do see it in jiu-jitsu, but it's not the norm. It's not standard. No, and because I totally agree with your point, you could say that there is a place for give those two white belts the thing you want them to work on and then leave them alone for five minutes mm. and let them f- make a bunch of mistakes, let them troubleshoot and tell them, hey, guys, I want you just to work – like give them that permission. I want you to ask to just – I've given you the three things – I want you just to fuck with it. Just do it. Okay, I'm not going to correct you for the first 20 reps. Just go. Or even more maybe. Maybe like 10 minutes, 20 Like minutes. arguably, right? Like we're always in that time pressure with jiu-jitsu. But yeah, like really, you should be able to give them, I don't know. But so give them that space. Let them fumble their way through and self-assess and give feedback and coach each other. And then step in and go, okay, main mistake I see you guys making is this. Let's fix that one thing. And then fuck off again. Yeah. And give them another five minutes. Now- that's a luxury that you often don't have in jiu-jitsu. But I think as a concept that, yeah, we need to – we kind of need to create this space where people can become their own – like they can become like a learning machine yeah. versus just becoming a regurgitator of whatever you told the, them. The old school rote learning method. And I do think that that's kind of – without being super familiar, I think that's like the ecological – what they're trying to get at is giving people – it is a framework to allow people to learn better – autonomously partly i mean look we can i don't want to we can we can do a separate episode breaking down the ecological approach i don't think that fully acknowledges what that is about even though yes i think that you you know that does it speaks to that for me i think what i've been interested in is that people learn differently so there is some people who can just watch videos and then just come and train and do that which for some people that's just ridiculous and then like I think what you were saying about allowing people to make mistakes, that's actually super important. Whereas most coaches are like, no, 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 don't make mistakes. Like you were saying, like they physically correct you. When actually we, we all know for the best part, some of our best lessons, even though they weren't our best experiences at the time, was fucking up completely and the lesson drawn from that. And me, I'm much more kinesthetic. I'm a very like monkey see, monkey do. Like how does it feel? That feels wrong. That feels right. And I definitely like have... That's different. That's monkey feel, monkey do. Well, similar. Well, right? yeah, yeah. But I, I definitely have to see it. But then I, I must... I'm a hands-on. I'm, I have yeah. to do it. I can't... It's the, the theory... Not that it's not helpful, but to just hear someone talk about a technique and watch it, it's not enough. Like you're talking about feeling the pressure. Yeah. When someone's like, I put my elbow here. How does that feel? You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. That, then it registers in my brain... That's what I'm now doing. Ultimately, um, with that, what I understood as a limit on my first coach, um, he was like, I have this teaching style. If you don't learn the way I teach, yeah, which is 
Not true. That's kind of like the infantile approach to coaching. It's like yeah. this is the one thing I do, the and one if it way, doesn't suit you, then there's something wrong with you're you. You're dumb. Yeah. yeah. And and what I'd learned from high school is like because I had a really good English teacher. She tried to teach us, Miss Bernays. She tried to teach us in Miss Bernays. Yeah. She tried to teach us in different ways. She took my argumentative nature did. and helped me uh, become a better writer. She explained an essay as an argument. I was like, serious. Fuck off. No. So she was explaining, you know, like why do you have an introduction? What does that mean? How do you support your argument? What What's the point of a conclusion? And she was explaining to me in the context of an argument. It's like that's what an essay is. You're arguing to communicate a point. I was like, God, I'm going to be so good at writing essays now. And I got better because it was it – was Everything in, in capitals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 20 mil marker, yeah. letters this big, 50 pages for the intro. Um. And by doing that, she tapped into the way I learn. And so I think a great coach will find ways to explain to you on your level, to, to your level. But ultimately, you have to work it out for yourself in, in a certain way. You, you get given the tools, you got to go away and build. Yeah. And then taking – and this is what I'm saying relevant to that – giving people time, and that's what you're saying, it's kind of a luxury to just not play, like kind of just – Workshop. Workshop it. Yeah. And I actually have gotten the most out of getting people at a similar level to myself, whether I was at Blue or Purple or wherever, to go, oh, what do you do here? Oh, I do this. Oh, why do you do that? And just going back and forth, not even rolling, just positionally discussing the idea opened up the understanding massively. I learned way more from that kind of workshop approach than a formal class approach. That's just me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um – I think most people would vibe with that like, oh, because you, you get those little breakout groups on the mat sometimes like after class or whatever yeah. where it starts becoming a bit of a workshop thing mm. and it'll usually be led by a couple of people who are like actually doing the thing and then other people gather around and then interested or someone throws in a question and then it's and you can see this thing if you're observing it's like this is really rich right now, this exchange for everybody mm. and you can just be an observer, be learning a bunch or you can be the, you know, the one that's bringing the technique forward. I think where... I think, you know, if, if people are looking for practical ap- like application of that, the coach needs to uh, create the container for that to happen. Mm. So you need to have that space in class or you need to like let it happen organically after class. Yeah. But if you, if you squash that container every time, like, hey, guys, off the mats, like next class is starting. Or, yeah. yeah, or if you're, like, if you're like, I'm coaching the thing, boom, 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 do it like this. Okay, now do. Okay, next thing. You're, you're not the black belt. Yeah. What are you doing? Right? Like, I think if you squash that, then you just you miss all of that opportunity for the students. Yeah. And, I mean, fuck, that's a great opportunity often for the coaches as well, right? Mm. I'll be honest. I've spoken about this. When I'm in that setting with some of the guys I train with, I'm oftentimes the highest belt. But I don't have much input. I'm just there to learn. Yeah, cool. And I'm like, this is cool. You guys are like thinking about this shit way more than I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, you know, what do you think? And I'll be like, I don't fucking know. I'll take what, whatever you reckon. <laughs> whatever you got. <laughs> but, but that's the reality is that it, it kind of brings everyone down. It's, it's, it's all about the information exchange then. For sure. And I think the misconception about being a higher belt is that you automatically know more. Not necessarily maybe – but you've got to think also, you, you, you know, you own and run a number of businesses. You know, if you've got a 25-year-old purple belt, you know what I mean? And they just fucking live at home or what, live on their mate's couch and all they do is jujitsu. The amount of brain horsepower and, you know, ram they're putting on this thing is far greater than you've even got bandwidth for. So it's like, yeah. well, I'll let you go super hard there and 
then I'll cherry pick. Yeah. You know, and uh, this benefit is, from that. Yeah, this is something I can't remember who I got it from who was saying why they wouldn't do a PhD. They were saying, well, I just get someone who's done a PhD and I go, okay, well, you studied knee injuries. What was the conclusion of your five years of study? Yeah. Well, let, um, me, let me check the meta-analysis. Yeah. And so the person gives them a breakdown. They're like, thanks. You know, I don't, I don't need the qualification to understand the learnings. Yeah. And so th- what was explained to me by this gentleman was he said, dude, you, don't, you just need to talk to people smarter than yourself and ask for the insight you need. And regularly, someone who's better than you at something loves sharing what they're working on. And I, I think that what you were saying there about the container or the environment to facilitate, that's probably something we're neglecting in jujitsu is letting people, like, allowing, yeah, allowing space. Yeah. And, you know, so say in that, like, you can picture, like, you got a class. Say you're like, oh, I, okay, I want to let this happen. And you're a coach and you're like, tonight I'm going to coach class and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let people just go for it. And I bet what would happen if you just sort of don't say anything and you just go, guys, go drill the technique. It's not going to happen the way you want it to because people need to be given strict parameters. Sure. So the, my, I, my thinking would be there that you tell guys, hey, guys, this technique, I'm going to let you guys just work on it. I'm not going to give you too much feedback in this first round, right? You do three minutes and the other guy does three minutes. Um, but what I need you to do is I need you to give precise feedback to your partner about what they could be doing better. Yeah. That's something that we don't do a lot, right? Someone, someone might be doing the drill on you and you're like just waiting for them for the three minutes to end or In whatever. your head you might even be like, they're not passing me with that. Yeah, right? And when, it, when, if, when you've been told, give them fair, hey, bro, actually, you're not putting any pressure on my leg there. You're not controlling my hips. And yeah, and, oh, okay, well, oh, yep, chest down, drive in. Okay, cool. Like if you give people permission, they'll do that. If you don't, people will be like, who am I to say shit? Yeah. Especially like a white belt. Sure. Right? Because they're like fucking at the bottom rung in terms of this journey sure so i think that yeah giving people permission and explicitly stating what you want from them is important if you're trying to make this a practical thing definitely there it is my friends white belts should be teaching it's key to learning and if it doesn't matter if you're a white belt you should probably consider how can you share and teach because it will make you a better learner i'll come to your seminar book me in (laughs) you